Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Becky? Well, welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson, and I'm a three-time, 20-year breast cancer survivor. And we have Sharon Hi, on the line I'm with us, Sharon too. Sharon. I'm a 22-year survivor. We're the co-founders of Breast Friends, and we have a great program lined up for you today. Um, I'm actually in Pennsylvania today with our um, co uh co-founder of a, an affiliate in Pennsylvania. So we want to make sure that uh, we get Kelly on the line as well. Um, we often find that when a person goes through an extreme trauma, such as cancer diagnosis, they find themselves thinking about their priorities in life. And we start to make significant changes. Today's show is about finding your passion and your purpose. And our guest today is Ann Peters. And for those of you who have ever heard me speak, um, you have no doubt heard me tell the story of Ann. She was diagnosed with terminal breast cancer and given four months to live. Ah! But that was 39 years ago. So she just celebrated her 39th anniversary. And I was so excited the day that, that, that her 39th anniversary hit, she called me to say hello. <laughs> which was just a total blessing. Anne is the founder of the Pink Ribbon Society, and she's with us today to share a bit of her journey and what she's done with it since. Welcome, Anne. We're so glad to have you. And we hope you can hear us. Yes, I can hear you. Thank you so much. I'm really excited about being able to be there with you, at least in voice today. Um, And although we have never had an opportunity to meet, we have known each other for about 12 or 13 years. I know. It was so funny. Anne invited me to come speak at one of her um, events, one of her Pink Ribbon Society luncheons, and we were so looking forward to actually physically meeting each other, and then she got really sick and ended up missing the entire luncheon and the dinner the night before that was planned. So we didn't actually get to see each other face-to-face, but we've had wonderful conversations, and we've been Facebook friends for I don't even know how long now, Anne. Long time, long time. (laughs) So, Anne, do you mind, would you share a little bit of your story? with us. I mean, sure. getting a terminal diagnosis, ha, tell yeah. us about that. Well, you know, it's interesting. I'll get into that, but um, I did not, you know, I did not know when I was diagnosed with breast cancer how sick I was. And I don't know, you know, I was only 33 years old, actually, oh. 30, yeah, 33. And I don't know if it was just ignorance or I don't know. I just maybe I didn't ask as many questions as I should have, because when I originally went into the doctor, um, people who know me know I'm a little bit vain, and I decided I wanted some bigger breasts than what I had. So actually, when I went into the doctor, uh, I went in to see about having um, some reconstruction, and uh, there was a very small, you know, we talk about lumps, and we have to understand that it doesn't matter the size of a lump. A lump is a lump, and if it's malignant, it's malignant. I had a very small lump on the inside area of my left breast, and it actually was so small, it almost looked like somebody put a BB under my skin. You could see it as well as feel it. So when I went to the doctor to talk about having augmentation, um, he said, well, the first thing we need to do is get that little pee out of there, because uh, we should never leave anything in the body that doesn't belong there. So... That's how the whole thing started, and um, things were much different 39 years ago. Yeah, uh, I went into the hospital the night before the surgery, which we don't do now. You're lucky if you get in and out in a day, and I had to, that evening, I had to sign a document that said if they found cancer, I would allow them to do a mastectomy. Well, I probably wouldn't do that today. I would do a little bit more investigating, you know, yeah. find out what my options were and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I, ha- I didn't know any better, and I did sign that. And when I woke up in recovery and found out that I had a mastectomy, it was, it was really pretty much of a shock. I bet. And um, I, bet. So I didn't... Um, you know, I, I didn't start out going in for that, but that's the way it ended up. And we just never know. I mean, I was young. I wasn't going through 
mammograms on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. I was way too young to start that. So, you know, we're seeing more and more young women today, too, who are being diagnosed. But um, so that's how it started for me. And um, I had a couple of um, experiences that kind of really were eye-openers for me. Um, I was in the hospital for 10 days. Today, mastectomy is an outpatient surgery. It's ridiculous. But nonetheless, mm. back then, I was in for 10 days. And um, wow. when I was released, you know, I went home. And I was just fixing my bed one morning. I had, local ch- I had the local uh, radio program on. And there was a, a nationally known nutritionist who was on the radio. He was doing a, a call-in program. And he told people, do not have chemotherapy. It will kill you. And it kind of, I stood up straight and I said, just a minute, what the heck's going on here? So I called the station and said, How, I'm just getting ready to start treatment next week. How can you do this to me? And um, so anyhow, he talked his way out of it, and, um, but did discuss a lot about nutrition and well-being and, you know, getting back up on the horse and, you know, getting back into life again. So he, in, in, in some ways, he scared me at the same time. He did me a lot of good. But... Um, I did not know I was going to Mayo Clinic for checkups yearly, every six months, actually. I did not know until I went up to Mayo for my five-year checkup that that's what my diagnosis was 39 years before. They never told me oh, how wow. sick I was. Yeah. I never knew how sick I was. I never knew. But Dr. Cragen up at Mayo Clinic read me my information. He said, I was diagnosed in February. He said the chart indicated I would be gone by Memorial Day, but here mm. I am. <laughs> you know, so uh, we were looking at three to four months, and I went through a year of chemotherapy, and um, did not, you know, not knowing what the diagnosis was, and maybe it was just as well that I didn't know. You know, if if I'd have thought I was only going to live another three or four months, I might have turned down the chemo, and I might have written mm. all my letters and said all my goodbyes, but I didn't know. So I went the route that they told me to, and I'm still here. Mm. Well, we're glad you are. (laughs) I am too. I am too. But, um, uh, you know, certainly I I don't, you know, I deal with a lot of women who, you know, who go through the same thing I did. And they, they, you know, they want to know why. And, you know, there is no why. And why me? Why am I still here? God, I don't know. I guess he's not done with me. Yeah, um, maybe there's still more for me to do. I hope so. Because well, I, I think so. Of, yeah. yeah, I'm kind of enjoying. So life. you know, and there was something real magical in what you just said a minute ago, and that is, you know, sometimes I think that when we know, it's kind of like that old saying about nobody told the bee that it it's it shouldn't be able to fly, you know, so it flies. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, so you didn't know that you weren't supposed to live more than four months, and so you lived no. way more than four but I months. No, yeah, it's just you know, and and I think that's really an interesting point. You know, sometimes there are yeah. some doctors that insist on telling you what your prognosis is. You know that you've got so much of a chance of living past a certain amount of time, and does that really do us good to know that? I, I kind of think not. <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know, and it's. Um, like, like I say, had, had I thought that that's all the time I had, I may have wanted to do things a little differently. But, you know, certainly uh, I'm, I'm glad things turned out the way they did. But um, I, I'm, I'm the same way. I can usually deal with the truth. I can't deal with the unknown. Yeah. And I kept telling the doctors, I just need to know what's going on. I don't even think my family really knew Mm-hmm. What the prognosis yeah. was. I mean, wow. certainly don't think so. But of course, um, course, back then they would like like throw the kitchen sink at you, and yeah. if it didn't kill you, you know, hopefully it cured you, right? Well, and you know, like I say, I had to sign that statement that you know that said that they could do a mastectomy if they found lung cancer. Well, as it turned out, they probably would have to have done that regardless because I did have positive, you know, a lot of positive lymph nodes. So you know, mm-hmm. but but I'm, I I would really encourage women. You know, first of all, early detection, we keep going back to the early thing, you know, because if you have early detection, you got a little more time to think about maybe what your options are. And, um, you know, sometimes the lumpectomy will work. Sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, there's different kinds of treatments. Back back in the day, um, I I went through chemo for a year. I had 36 treatments, and I did not have to have Mm -hmm. any radiation. Um, Mm -hmm. But today, it seems, you know, the treatment, you know, we've got, fabulous treatment out there today compared to what we had 39 years ago, but 
you know, it seems like they're more aggressive. They're tackling, you know, the, the disease head on. I mean, we're seeing more and more people surviving all kinds of cancer, mm-hmm. but certainly breast cancer. But again, I think a lot of that goes back to the early detection and the fact that there are options today where there, there really wasn't all those years ago. There yeah, weren't, right, that's true. Exactly. That's true. exactly. And I know so that you've got... What was your turning point? What was your aha moment? I'm sorry, I didn't hear the first part of the question. Well, what was the turning point when you kind of decided, okay, I guess I'm going to live? <laughs> you know, I, th- I think all breast cancer, it, it, at least, you know, I, can, I talk about what, what, what used to go on. I think we all shoot for that five-year goal. And mm-hmm. once you've reached that five-year plateau, it's like, ah, oh, looks like I might make it. And then, you know, every <laughs> yeah. year after that is just a freebie. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 73 years old in a couple of months, and I think, oh, thank God. I'm glad for birthdays mm-hmm. because, you yeah, know, I almost didn't true. get a bunch of them. But, yeah. uh, you know, so you're, you're, you're glad for what you get, and um, I, just, I just don't think there ever was. I remember I had a lot of reconstruction a uh, year. I had to finish my chemo. Uh, they wouldn't do any surgery. Now they do it right, right on the table there when they take the breast. But, um, you know, after, after I finished my chemo, I had reconstruction. And, um, you know, I just, I don't know what it is. I just went on. I just, it is, it, you know, it is what it is. I can't change things. Um, you know, I, I did not realize what my odds were at that time. So I, I don't know. But I know when I got to that five-year mark, that was kind of like, well, maybe I'm going to make it. You know, so mm-hmm. you go on from there, and mm-hmm. one year adds on to the next, and the next, and the next, and pretty soon, here I am. And here you are. Well, yeah, we're so exactly. glad. You know, yeah. I, and I know that you feel real strongly about getting back into the groove of life as soon as possible when you're mm-hmm. going through the midst of a cancer diagnosis, and I know you did that, you know, physically and emotionally. Can you, yeah. or mentally, can yeah. you speak to that for just a minute? We only have uh, about four minutes or three minutes okay. till the break, but let's sure. let's... See what you we know, can get done in that time. We, we talk about aha moments. Um, my, I, have, I was very lucky. I had great neighbors. That got my, I, had a, I had a daughter who was five and a son who was eight at the time all this happened. And they were very nice, taking them back and forth to school and, you know, making life easier for me. And I would get up in the morning, get the kids off to school. I change, you know, I put my clean pajamas on, you know, whatever. And I would greet my kids at the door when they came home. And one day my son Brian came home and I answered the door and he said, are you ever going to wear clothes again? Thought, Holy <laughs> crap. Oh, dear. You know, Out of the mouth of babes. <laughs> yeah. He sees me in my pajamas and my robe. I have no makeup on. You know, my hair is just basically done, whatever I can do with it. And I thought, oh, my God. What, I mean, kids knew I was sick. They didn't understand breast cancer. But I thought, oh, my God. I went upstairs and put my clothes on, put a little bit of lipstick and whatever on. I thought, okay, I need to get back to, you know, celebrating life as simple yeah. as it can be. And, you know, so, you know, I had a neighbor who was actually going through brain cancer, and her and I would go out mm-hmm. and walk every day. And it, when you look good, you feel better. Yeah, when you get some true. exercise, true. it adds energy to you. So, yes, I mean, you've got to just get back up on the horse. I realize there's some restrictions, and you've got to listen to your doctor. But I think that, that you know, we, we need to maybe push the envelope just a little bit and try to get back into the groove. No, I, I agree right. with that. I mean, I, I know there are days, we all have those days when we're just kind of having our own little pity party for whatever reason, but <laughs> the fastest way out of one of those is to go get a shower, get dressed, yep. put on Absolutely. a little makeup, and yep. and smile at your reflection, you know? Yep. I mean, it's a little thing, but getting dressed, <laughs> as, as little as that sounds, is huge, because I, I know out I've Out of the mouth that. of babes. I mean, yeah. I never thought, but he, that's what he said, and I thought, oh boy. You know, yep, it, yep. No, I totally, totally support that. Sharon, I know that you um, really have this this attitude about positivity. And, you know, we always talk about having a positive attitude. And we only have about a minute till the, till the break, although we can go over a little bit on this one. But can you talk about the happiness advantage just briefly? And we'll come back to it later, too. But can you just touch on that? Absolutely. There's actually a book called The Happiness Advantage. It's a great book to, to read. But... There was one particular piece in it that really spoke to me loud and clear about, you know, we all have that person in our life that kind of seems to walk around the, the world with a, a black cloud over their head. And, um, and, and I have uh, 
gift of positivity. And so it's interesting because you take that for granted. But that person that is um, actually got that little black cloud over their head, um, they sometimes cannot even see the possibilities. They don't actually even um, see the opportunities in front of them to be able to make choices that we kind of take for granted when you're um, coming at it from a more positive place. And there was actually a study where they had a room full of positive, generally positive people and a room full of uh, negative people. And it was fascinating because they gave them each this newspaper, their assignment was to count how many ads were in this newspaper and I think there were 47 ads and about two-thirds of the way through there was actually an ad that said if you see this ad um, you can um, talk to your instructor and ask for a hundred dollars. The room full of positive people most all of those people actually saw that ad (laughs) and were able to stop two-thirds through the project and get $100. Most everybody in the negative room did not even see the ad. They just just didn't see it. It just they read right over the top of it. That is so I fascinating. Found that extremely yeah. informative, I guess if you will. Yeah. Just to, so basically um, positive people they they look for exactly, the positivity. That we don't you know? always even see the advantages if yeah. we are in a negative headspace. Yep, it's true. We do have to go out to break right now. And um, so we're going to take a quick short break. We'll be back. We do want to encourage people to call in and share their stories of of how they turned their journey around. Um, the number is 866-472-5792. And we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Thank you. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health & Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with our guest, Ann Peters, who was given four months to live from a terminal breast cancer diagnosis 39 years ago. So, But before we bring uh, Ann back, let's chat with Kevin. He's our caller now. Hi. Hi, Kevin. Hi there. What's going on? (laughs) Thank you. So why are you calling us, Kevin? I want to hear your story. I'm calling, first of all, because I was so excited. I was uh, listening to Sharon talk about uh, the happiness advantage, and that really rings a bell with me uh, and positivity. I'm a male breast cancer survivor. Yay. And that's not that's not all I am, I suppose. I'm also a magician by trade, so that's kind of my been my job for many years. And I remember when I was about twelve and decided I wanted to be a magician, I thought I want to be famous someday. I really would like that, you know, to be a famous magician. <laughs> and <laughs> it 
never happened, but after my breast cancer surgery, somebody said to me, you know what, you're pretty unique. It's like 1% one per- one of you guys get breast cancer. You're famous. <laughs> so, <laughs> True. I thought, I thought that's not, not what exactly I really had what you mind. thought you'd be okay. famous for, right? <laughs> yeah, that, well, that wasn't my plan. But there aren't and, too many of us, and so you know, part of what I like to do is talk to men, men and women, of course, about uh, breast cancer. Yeah, and, and only about one percent of all breast cancers are among men, but it right. is true, men do get breast cancer. And you know, Kevin, I, I have to share with you, my boss, um, when I was working in my previous job, he was a, a two-time breast cancer survivor, mm-hmm. and I remember at one point thinking. Well, how, that's probably not a real big deal because, you know, they lose their breasts, so what? They don't really have much anyway. But right. what I've learned from him, and it was a real eye-opener, and I feel very stupid for having thought what I thought, but his point was, you know, what's embarrassing for men is that they have what they perceive as a woman's disease, and that's exactly. what makes it so hard to talk about. Can you speak to that for a minute? Well, I know uh, from talking to a lot of men and also from the, the medical literature that we are often diagnosed at a very late stage. Yeah. And it's for that very reason, it's, it's mm-hmm. an embarrassment mm-hmm. for a lot of us to go in and even say that we're having a problem with our breast. And many, mm-hmm. many men don't even realize that men can get breast cancer. So there's a lot of education that needs to be put in place out there. And it's, it's beginning. It's starting. Mm-hmm. So did you have like, mastectomy or did you do I did. A... I had a, a mastectomy of the left breast. But I was very, very fortunate in that it was detected and caught probably within the first month. And I thank my wife for that. And that's a story you hear often, you know. Yeah, no kidding. They get us in. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I guess as a magician, Kevin, you could have some fun with that and just let everybody know that you made your breast disappear. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm going to steal that line right now. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) We must help each other, you know. (laughs) No, that's really good. But laughter is such an important part of my healing and yeah, what yours do from what I hear. So um, good. It's, it's been a, a lifesaver for me in many ways just to, yeah. you know, find the... Find so how the long ago were you diagnosed, Kevin? Um, I'm coming up on 20 months, so it'll be, it'll be oh. two years here in May. Okay. Yeah. So you're a pretty fabulous. newbie. I'm a newbie, yeah, but I'm sure <laughs> interested in the subject. <laughs> yeah. It got my well, attention. That's, that's good. We're so yeah. thankful that you called, and you're from Thank Arizona, you. right? Yep, I'm in Arizona yeah, right now. I used good. to live in Portland, so I, I, I miss that place and you guys. Yeah, it's beautiful today. Oh, definitely. Well, well Kevin, thanks so much for calling in. We it. really appreciate it. Um, so, my, my pleasure. You know, stay, stay tuned. Keep listening in because we'd love to get your feedback later. So, um, I'll follow every word. More. Thanks for having me. All right. Me. Thank you. Okay. All right. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. So, Anne, um, we were <coughs> excuse me, talking about... Um, moving your body, getting dressed, feeling alive again, and not just allowing yourself to diminish on a couch. And, you know, that's all really, really important. Can you speak to the disease on the family and the husband and kids? And how did your diagnosis impact all of them? And what did you do around that? Well, like I said, I think my kids knew mom was sick. But uh, again, the ages that they were, they didn't understand breast cancer. But both of my kids have been seriously involved in Pink Ribbon Society. Um, my daughter has been a member of our committee for years. My son uh, participates as a server and many different things because they now they seriously appreciate it. I don't know that I ever sat them down and said, hey, this is what's going on. It just seemed kind to evolve. Um, mm-hmm. My husband is, I have, I have one of the good guys. And unfortunately, I've talked to a lot of women over the years who have lost their marriages because of breast cancer, and it's really, really sad because it's not that, well, I guess it is important to some people, but um, it's just a little piece of my physical being. It has nothing to do with who I am on the inside. But um, my husband husband didn't really want to talk about it. You know, I'm... I think that some women, we are so used to being the caregiver. We're so used to, actually, many of us being the stronger of the couple. Um, you know, I just think that my husband always figured I, would, I handled everything, and, you know, I can handle this too. And then I did not act like I was dying. I did not act like I want anybody to feel sorry for me. You know, I try to keep a real positive attitude. I really, my mom was a real worrier, so I didn't say a lot. I always told my mom, well, I'm doing great, I'm doing great. So I really didn't probably involve my family as much as some people do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it just, I was just very lucky that I had the kind of family that I did. And they just seemed to evolve with me through it over the years. And, you know, we celebrate mm-hmm. my, you know, memory survivorship every year on my, on my anniversary. And um, the kids, again, you know, flowers, a cake, whatever it is. I mean, we do celebrate the survivorship. But um, I, mm-hmm. I talk to a lot of women who, who go through a lot of terrible times, um, you know, asking, how can I explain this to my daughter or my son? The son mm-hmm. is even harder to explain to because they don't have. And your, your caller was right, uh, you know, the percentage of men who do get breast cancer. Um, the Pink Ribbon Society actually produces a breast cancer survivor's calendar every year. I remember we, it. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we have had four men on our calendar. Mm-hmm. So we nice. do promote the idea that it's not, you know, if you find something that's a little unusual, like my doctor told me all those years ago, it doesn't belong in there, get rid of it and find out what it is. But yeah. I was really lucky um, to have the kind of family that I did. I mean, if I needed anything, I could ask anybody for it. But that's great. I really mm-hmm. didn't lean on my family, I don't think, as much as, you know. And if you have to, you do. I mean, that's just the way it is. Everybody's different. Everybody's different. They are. Well, and, and back back then when you were diagnosed, I mean, I'm a, I'm a 22-year survivor, and I found it even even with um, that time frame. But back back 39 years ago, we hardly said breast out loud. I mean, <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> you know, true. we didn't really put breast cancer together yeah. um, and yeah. even really talk about it in a more matter-of-fact way that we that we do today. And well, so I'm sure there were a lot of emotional issues that, again, you just had to buck up and, you know, you just dealt with it. And, uh, and you didn't, you know, try to, try to really um, process it more publicly like we do now. Yeah. Well, years, years later, my husband did tell me how scared he was. How he kept yeah. and, and you know, what am I going to do if I lose her? Now, he never said this to me, but what am I going to do if I lose her? What are the kids going to do without mom? You know, he yeah. said, that, you know, the, yeah. the, day, the day of the surgery when they told him, I guess they have to catch him before he hit the floor. But he, again, is another, you know, he's, he's mm-hmm. strong like I am, and I think we were both trying to outstrong each other. I'm not sure, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, it wasn't until many years later that he actually confided in me how, uh, how frightened he was. I bet, I bet. And and again, you know, our men have this this thing even today that they need to be our rock. You know, they need to not show any emotion and be scared. But this is a very, very scary disease. And so that's that's not really um, even uh, good expectations for them to even have to deal with. I think it has a lot to do with the dynamic. Yeah, it has a lot to do with the dynamics of the family. Um, you know, I have four sisters. Uh, I have, you know, I was, a, you know, they say 80% of all women diagnosed with breast cancer are the first in their family. And I was one of those 80%. There'd never been any breast yeah. cancer in my family. You know, uh, so yeah. I, think, I think part of it was I was young. And part of it was we, you know, maybe we really weren't sure how to deal with it. So we just did the best we could. And, and we got through it just fine. And my husband's always yeah, been very supportive, like, you know, if one I One foot in front of the other. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But, yeah, so, you know, I mean, I, I, I was very lucky. I had a really great family, and I know I could support, you know, really lean on them if I needed to, but yeah. I was just one of those lucky people, and we got through. And like I said, yeah. I had a neighbor who was going through well, breast, uh, brain cancer. Like, like you said earlier, there, mm-hmm. there was definitely things that you were uh, slated to do in your life, and so... Right. That just gives me the reason to talk a little bit more about the Pink Ribbon Society. Tell yeah. us a little bit more about that. Sure. Um, you know, for many, many years uh, after my own experience, I kept thinking, what can I do to give back? What can I do to give back? And I used to go speak about positive thinking uh, at some of the um, support groups that were in our area. There weren't too many at that time. Now there's a lot of them. But um, I just I kept thinking, I, I want to give something back. I want to give something back. And then finally I thought, you know, I'd really love to. And the first time that we did it, I just thought, oh, well, we'll just do this little tea, and we'll, we'll collect some money, and we'll give it to the American Cancer Society. Well, it just blossomed. The first year we did the tea, we had about 225 people in attendance. Last year, we had over 800. Wow. So ah. it grows every year. People come. I mean, we, we, we return checks. We, people get mad because they can't get in for a reservation. But it's, it's an oh, event. Oh, boy. Celebra- it celebrates survivorship. 
It celebrates, you know, that, that you know, we aren't victims. Even if you've just been diagnosed, you've got a lot of um, chance, you know, a lot of opportunity, opportunities today to survive are greater than they used to be. So we try to give all the encouragement that we can. So it's basically an event that we do once a year. It's always the last Sunday before um, October where we celebrate in preparation for uh, breast, you know, breast Cancer Awareness Month. And it's a beautiful luncheon. And we have calendar girls that we bring up up, that, up on stage. We invite the community to nominate someone who's at least three years post-op and out of treatment who they think would be a good role model for other women who are more recently diagnosed. And we get tons oh, and tons great. of nominations. And we pick 12, mm-hmm. and those women are, hi- are highlighted on one of our beautiful calendars. And people mm-hmm. buy these and give them to gifts to people who are just diagnosed to give them the encouragement to see how long all of us are living and how much mm-hmm. better we're doing and how much more we're involved in things. So uh, we, you know, we have a great sale, but we do, we do, um, we do a raffle. I mean, we do all kinds of things we can do to raise money because the money that we raise, we pay for wigs. There is not one insurance company that we have found in this United States that will pay for a wig because they consider it cosmetic, even mm-hmm. if it's from mm-hmm. a result of treatment. So mm-hmm. we pay for wigs. We pay for we, we support the Indiana's Breast and Cervical Cancer Program. We've probably sent them over $100,000. We have returned wow. $350,000 back into the community for different programs that support breast cancer and breast cancer survivors. So, so Anne, when I was and there... I love that because that's like one person's idea. And, of course, I know it takes a village to put on that event, but well, at the same time, it, it was one person's idea yeah. that you have made such an impact in your community, which is so amazing. So It no really is. And do you still do the, um, the apron raffle? When I was yes. there, they auctioned <laughs> off. They have men serving, and they well, are we all wearing custom-designed aprons, and you auction them off. That's yeah. such a we have fun, clever women idea. Who serve. We have doctors. We have CEOs. We have you know, hospital administrators. We have all kinds of people from the community, and some people who are just community advocates who don't own a company or run a company, and they wear these beautiful black aprons that have our logo on them, and they serve the luncheon. They serve the lunch mm-hmm. and they serve dessert, and then after the dessert is served, we uh, we used to raffle them off. Now, well, we raffle them off. We don't. We used to auction them off. Now we raffle them off. People, people are at, no, it's okay. People are actually fighting for these aprons. They want them so badly. So we we <laughs> give those out it. every year. We just the aprons this morning for for this year. Um, but yeah, the and the the people who who do this. They, I want to come back next year. I want to come back next year. So we've, we've already got our crew ready for this year, but it's, it's fabulous. The women love it. They socialize with the people at the table, and they just think it's great. We had, we had a, a server a couple of years ago who actually sang to the women at his table. It was kind of interesting. But um, just, um, you know, we, just, we do that. We do the, last year we had 92 raffle baskets. We made over $11,000 just on the raffle. I mean, it's just it's a conglomerate of all kinds of different ideas that are put together. Everybody collects our teacups and saucers. Every year we have a new cup and saucer, and people have collected them over the years. Even if they don't attend the event, they want to buy the, the, the cup and saucer, and sometimes we have matching teacups that go with them. So, you know, our goal is just to do anything we can to generate money. You know, Anne, we've only wonderful. got a couple minutes left till the We're next actually break. We're at the American Cancer Society um, right here in um, East Strasburg. They're allowing us to do a workshop today um, uh, for Thriving Beyond Cancer. And so it's very exciting to be able to use their facility and kind of uh, collaborate on this effort. So I can certainly appreciate your effort yeah. to help them Thank out you. as well. Thank you. So we only have we only have about a minute left or so until the next break. So we are going to be fo- focusing in this last segment on the whole idea of using your gifts and your passion to create a purpose. And and your purpose with the Pink Ribbon Society, Absolutely. you know, that has been a phenomenal thing. And I'm very pleased to have been invited to speak at at one of your events. That was in 2003. When did you start it? What year? Um. We started in no, 2001. <laughs> okay, so that was just the second, well, the third yeah. one then. Yeah. And yeah. it was just a spectacular event. <laughs> and I just, I, my only regret was not getting a chance to actually meet you, but um, it was someday, really, it was someday, everything. Becky. 
It just goes to show what can happen when one person has a vision and then you bring people in around you. And so on this last little bit, um, after our break, we're going to talk a little bit about how we kind of started Breast Friends and we want to bring Kelly on the line who's been incredibly patiently waiting for. Um, oh, I enjoyed listening. Well, I'm oh. so glad. And Kelly, Kelly is our director at our Pennsylvania affiliate. There's two of them, Kelly and Vivian. And they reached out to Breast Friends because they wanted to do something. And rather than reinvent the wheel, they joined in with us and Perfect. launched our Pennsylvania affiliate. So we're going to share a little bit about that. And we're going to keep Anne on the line with us, too. So um, as we get ready to go out, please be thinking about any questions that any of you might have for Anne or Sharon or myself or for Kelly. Um, And think about giving us a call. Our number is 866-472-5792. And we are going to be back in just a couple of minutes. Stay tuned. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome, welcome back. We've been talking with Ann Peters, founder of the Pink Ribbon Society. And we also have Kelly, who is the co-founder of the um, affiliate in uh, Pennsylvania, for breast friends, and I, I picked up on something that Anne said that kind of that five year mark is was really pivotal for her. And Kelly, we just had that conversation um, about that this morning. So why don't you tell me about that five year mark for you? Well, we did. Um, you know, I remember going for my last mammogram leading up to my five year mark and feeling so anxious, thinking that this was the most important one. And I was so happy to get to that that milestone. It just meant everything. And so I was actually diagnosed on my son's 10th birthday. So when he turned 15 this year, I actually turned 5. So it was <laughs> double reason to celebrate. So I'm just really happy to be part of that, have that, mi- that milestone met and to be a part of the Breast Friends family. Well, we're and so glad you're on board. What, this is the fourth year that you've actually um, been doing Breast Friends in, in Pennsylvania. So yes. tell me just a little bit, what was the motivation for you and Vivian to, to bring Breast Friends to your community? Well, Vivian had been diagnosed before myself. And, you know, she, I remember the struggles that she went through with her cancer journey, and I was front and center for that, and she was front and center for me as I, as I was diagnosed. And we both agreed that, you know, we really were fortunate to have a great level of support, but we also were very aware that not everybody had the same level of support in our community, and we really wanted to provide that in some way, shape, or form. And as it turned out, a friend of mine had sent me a book called The Hat That Saved My Life. It was actually <laughs> autographed by Becky. And, um, I remember that. <laughs> so, 
and I, I read the book in a day, and I just felt immediately connected yeah. to the story and to the mission of Breast Friends, uh, you know, helping women through the trauma of cancer one friend at a time was something that spoke to me. And Vivian and I both have different personalities, but we share the same passion of wanting to provide support to, to women and families in our community. And like you said, we didn't want to reinvent the wheel. So, you know, we decided to take a look at becoming an affiliate. And it's been such an amazing journey these past four years, just meeting these amazing women and families and really being able to turn, you know, a situation that could have created chaos and really turn it into a sense of community and purpose. You guys have really done a good job in building that community. I mean, you partner with other organizations to do volunteer work. So Breast Friends is really an active part of other things that you're that are going on there. And that's can you speak to maybe a couple of those examples? Sure, sure. I mean, we really love the community that we we live in and and that we serve. I mean, certainly like Sharon, so right now we're at the American Cancer Society. And um, we're out there allowing us to use their facility to host the Thriving Beyond Cancer workshop tonight. But they're also very um, important in that, you know, they promote a lot of our events and refer people to us and vice versa. Um, We partner as a free wig site for them. Um, We've participated in making strides in Relay for Life. And, you know, there's, you know, so much cancer is such a big part of this community and, you know, they, they feel a piece that, you know, we don't necessarily feel, but together, you know, it's amazing the voice you can have when you partner, partner up. Um, we recently partnered with the African American Network. Um, one of the things that we found is that we have a lot of underprivileged women in this community. We have a large homeless community. We have the Women's Resource Center. And so kind of in tune with Breast Friends, we decided to do a Bras for a Cause drive, and we collected over 100 um, bras and over like I think like over 160 garments I believe all together that we were able to donate to like the local soup kitchen and to the women's resource center just to provide a sense of dignity so that's there's, wonderful um, so th- that's just kind of a snippet but um, we've also women in our group feel really good about giving back to the community as mm-hmm. well so we've also collected school supplies um, for children in need so we've try to do different things, um, and we do a lot of fun activities together as well. Anne, are you still on the line with us? Yes. Okay, good. Um, because you kind of do something similar. I mean, you've got the Pink Ribbon Society, but then you right. partner with other organizations like the American right. Cancer Society and right. and the various breast and cervical cancer programs to, right. you know, the efforts you're making are raising money to help support their work. Right. And so, you know, that's that's really... I think that's a, an amazing partnership that that Pennsylvania's done and that you guys have done, you know, because we we don't have to do everything ourselves, you know. Well, and in in any community, there's a lot of wheels already in in play. So, you know, if you want to do something, you know, spectacular with your life and really make a difference, you don't have to start something new. You well, can plug into something already existing. So, Becky, talk about the gift plus passion equals purpose. I love that. Okay, yeah, I'd be happy to. So, you know, a lot of people speak on this whole idea of, you know, living your purpose and your passion, but I kind of came up with a a little um, statement of how to make that happen. And so what I came up with is, is your gift plus your passion equals your purpose. And, you know, I think a lot of times when people go through something traumatic, like a a life-threatening illness, whether it's cancer or something else, a lot of us do think about our priorities in life and what do we want to do and giving back and all of that. But how do you go about making that happen? And so what I try to encourage people to do is start by making a list of your gifts. And a gift is something that it's an ability that you have that comes pretty naturally to you. Some people have, like Sharon, you talked about the gift of positivity. That is a gift. Mm-hmm. Not everyone has it that is. ability to be positive and look for the positive side of everything. Some people have a gift of compassion. Some people have a gift of art or photography. Uh, some people have the gift of being able to stand up in front of an audience and speak without fainting. That's kind of my gift. <laughs> and so make a list of all your gifts. And, and we all have, you know, some of us have way more than one. Some have only one. But make a list of those gifts, the things that you can do that come naturally and easily for you. And then secondly, make a list and of the things you... you take those even for granted. Yeah, I mean, we do. So, 
you know, they're so innate. They, they yeah. just are who you are, and you yeah. kind of forget. Well, hostessing. Um, so you have to dig the, deep sometimes. Yeah, the ability to be a good hostess is a gift. The ability to listen and provide wisdom—that's a gift. So think about Absolutely. those things that you're good at, you know, and write them down. And then the second thing is think about the things that you that you care about. And I like to use the analogy that if you were the first lady of the United States, they all have a cause that they adopt in their while their spouses are president. And, you know, think like Michelle Obama, her thing is childhood obesity. So think about what you care about. If money was no object, resources were no object, what do you care about? What are some of the things? And those things will change throughout your life. Maybe when you're young, it's your family, it's your children. Maybe when you're later in life, it might be caring for somebody that, a, a loved one, a, you know, a parent or something. And then there's all kinds of stuff in between. So make a list of the things you care about. And then the trick is to take those two things, find a gift and something you care about, and marry them. And then that, when you think about that, that is your purpose. And, you know, I kind of equate that when I, one of my gifts is the ability to get up in front of a large audience and speak. And the thing I care about is helping women get through this journey and through this battle. And so if I can put those two gifts together, then my purpose is to share those things with women on a stage. And, and I do that and it brings me joy and it puts, it makes me feel like I'm doing something that I was meant to do. And, you know, we all have a, a mission and, and something we're supposed to be doing. So, you know, and Anne, back to you. I don't think God is finished with you yet. You got a, you got a ways not. to go. <laughs> you got a ways to go. <laughs> and Kelly, with the work that you and Vivian are doing, you know, as our affiliate in, in Pennsylvania, God bless you guys for, for taking that on. Sharon's got some amazing gifts, her positivity gift. She also then became a certified life coach. You take those two things and put them together, and she can now coach and guide women through kind of some really difficult situations and help them see the other side of life. And and it's pretty awesome. You know, she's a great counselor, well, and, and the, she's wise. And the funny thing about that one, too, Becky, remember that my uh, when I uh, was actually still working in corporate America, and I took this book called Find Your Strengths by Marcus Buckingham. And I took this long test online and because I wanted to find my strengths. You know, you get to a place where you feel like, well, what, what good am I, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I took this test and the number one strength I had was positivity. And I actually was irritated. <laughs> because I now that's a I'm little bit counterintuitive. I know, I know that's who I am. But what in the heck am I going to do with this gift of positivity? Well, guess what? I do breast friends, right? We talk to women every day about some very devastating news that they've just received and get them through their treatment and get them on the other side and giving hope, giving that positive you can do it kind of an attitude, guess what? That is a gift. And so it's funny how something that you take so for granted like that in me ends up being really what God put me on this earth to do. So it is kind of an interesting thing when you can marry those two um, items, the gifts and your passion, and then being able to actually do something from that. And so we are so blessed to have... Anne on the line with us, as well as Kelly, who have done exactly the same thing, which is amazing, to marry those gifts. Oops, I think we lost somebody. Are you there, Anne? I think we might have lost her. Um, you know, one of the things, Sharon, I'm going to brag about you for just a second, Sharon, because I like to do that anyway. But one of Sharon's <laughs> gifts is is photography. She is an amazing photographer. She, I mean, seriously, some of the stuff she's done is pretty incredible. She also has a passion for butterflies because of what they mean. You know, it refers to transformation and, and evolving and all of those things. It's really a, a very important part of her message. It's something she cares about. And so one of her purposes, and again, this is a little example of marrying your gift and your passion, but she takes beautiful photographs of butterflies. She mounts them on canvas and they are decorating our office. It's amazing. And she sells them. So it's okay to actually 
make a living doing what you feel strongly about and what your what your purpose is. She brings so much joy to people when they look at those butterflies and they go, wow, those are amazing. They look like oil paintings. They're pretty cool. But um, that's just a small and easy example of being able to, you know, marry the two. And Kelly, I know you've done some things um, with, with your, you know, with what you're doing there in, in Pennsylvania. Do you have anything you'd like to add to that? Um, you know what? I just, I think for me, my passion is just really being a safe place and being a loving presence for people. I don't know that I have any real, I, I enjoy writing. I think I shared that okay. with Sharon earlier today. We were talking about um using experiences and sharing them. So you're a wonderful speaker, Becky. I think I like to share my experiences and hopefully some words of encouragement through writing. And I like to do that through poetry and um, wonderful writing things like that. So I'd like to to share more of that. But, you know, really just just being able to be a presence for people and and listen and be a safe place because Mm -hmm. that gift was given to me and I, I hope that I'm able to give that gift to other people. Good. Sorry, well, you know, we only have a couple there. minutes. Yeah, and we, we <laughs> saw that you came back on, so we've only got two minutes. So if you'd like to kind of bring this home for us, we'd love to love to have you do that. And, you know, something that you mentioned about your, your, your goals and your passion, sometimes other people see that in you even before you do. Yeah, And when somebody, true. you know, I've so had, true. You know, I'm, I'm like you, Becky and, and, and Sharon, I can talk to anybody, and I can talk mm-hmm. in front of groups, so... When, when, you know, when we decided to start Pink Ribbon, I was so lucky I found so many other women who were willing to share their stories, who were willing, you know, so it, that, that combination of women who have many different talents has been what has made Pink Ribbon so, you know, so successful. But I, I guess if I was going to leave anybody with a message, it would be early detection. Yeah. Don't forget your mammogram every year. You know, mm-hmm. just yep. do whatever you, we live to be old people as a miracle. <laughs> and there's a yes. lot of things that we can do to keep, you know, to keep that positive, you know, mm-hmm. making it happen. So if there's something you can do to protect your life, your children's lives and everybody else, don't forget to do it. Excellent. Absolutely. That's a great message. Thank you so much, Anne, for joining us today. My pleasure. And Kelly, thank you for being on the call with us, too. And and, um, we do have to end now, but we do want to thank everyone for joining us today. And we encourage you to please tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. And until then, remember, there is always hope, and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.